thousand times I've failed, still your mercy remains. Should I stumble again, I'm caught in your grace, everlasting. Your light will shine when all else fades, never ending. Your glory goes beyond.
it's been a while since I've been up here. It's pretty nice. Welcome this morning to visitors, regulars. Um, welcome to our worship service this morning. Um, any announcements from the floor this morning? We'll start there. Dawson and Bethany are happy to announce the arrival of their baby girl, Charlie Joy Sawatsky. Yeah, born February 9th. In the afternoon she was born and everyone is happy and healthy and they say thank you for your prayers. So that's the official wording. Of course, we're very happy as grandparents and to be sharing that role with Ron and Charlene and this role of great grandparents right here. So we're all very happy. Thank you very much. Thank you, David. So just looking at our, um, our bulletin here, we got uh, the Canets soup and pie today from 11 to 1 raising uh, emergency funds at the hall today. February 22nd, Mums and Tots, 10 a.m. here at the church. February 24th, the baby shower for Nicole Martins here at the church, 2 o'clock. And the Men's Discipleship Weekend at Valley View Bible Camp uh, from the 22nd to the 25th. That's something that they've been doing as long as I've been around here, and it's, uh, I've heard good things. It's never been something I've attended myself, but... It's something definitely to go together with a bunch of guys and just kind of focus on your spiritual life and praise and, uh, and studying the Word, so it's really good. And February 25th, our favorite thing after church is potluck. So there we go. Clean up last names, A to M. Today's uh, call to worship comes from Psalm 50. The Lord, the Mighty One, is God. He has spoken. He has summoned all humanity from where the sun rises to where it sets. From Mount Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines a glorious radiance. Would you stand with us, please, if you're able? Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for each one here. I thank you for music. I thank you for where it brings us, Lord. And as the Holy Spirit moves this morning, I pray that we would meet with you in the way that we need to, to fix the things we need to fix, and Lord, just connect with you in a real way. In your name I pray. Amen. Coming on the clouds, kings and kingdoms will bow down. And every chain will break, his broken hearts declare his praise. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah.
Make way before the King of Kings. The God who comes to save is here to set the captives free. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. And every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sin. stop the Lord Almighty. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the set list today. If you feel that you'd like to sit down, please feel free to do that. No judgment here whatsoever. Jesus, let your kingdom come you will be done here in us. Jesus, there is no one greater. You alone are Savior. Show the world your love. King of heaven. King of heaven, come down.
Listening to you guys sing that song, it just uh, you are mission, you are you are mi- ministering to us as we hear that, um, and that is is very encouraging. It's exciting. I we appreciate it very much.
Two. 
Thank you so much for this day. I thank you for your generosity in our lives. I thank you for our monetary blessings. I thank you for our jobs. I thank you for the things that you've seen us fit to have. Lord, as we um, collect money for today, Lord, to help further your work in this church and the organizations in our community, Lord, that you would bless it and that you would multiply it and that you would open up a generosity in each one here today. In your name I pray. Amen. Turn to Mark 9. We're going to read measures, or measures, verses 2 to 9. And tell him a band teacher. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up to a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was, transfigured before them, Clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them. And a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly they, were, they looked around, and they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So uh, this week I was in Winnipeg, and I had some time to go and visit a bakery. And the background to that is that our Syrian refugee family, Bilal and Fatima, uh, already had family living here in Canada, namely Fatima's sister, Maisa. And Maisa's husband, Shahadi, who is the one in the center of this picture, is a businessman. And his business back in Syria, Lebanon was uh, in the food service industry, and so he's taken a, a few years now to set up an authentic pita bread bakery in Winnipeg with all the equipment brought over from Lebanon, etc. And 
I can testify that it is delicious. But the, uh, the reason why I wanted to share this with you is because when I, I called to arrange the meeting, he said, make sure that you greet the church on my behalf, on our behalf. And so, yeah, we had a good conversation uh, about business and about the challenges of being a refugee and talked about Jesus and faith and all kinds of things like that. So greetings from the Al-Mansur family. We're going to uh, pray for them as well as the, uh, the people whose names are in the bulletin and others who are on our hearts and minds. So let's uh, bow in prayer. God, thank you that you are tender-hearted towards us, compassionate. And so we confidently and comfortably bring to you the concerns of our hearts, as well as the joys that you have given us. And so we rejoice today in the birth of Charlie. We thank you for her parents and for the the parents that they already are to her in her young life, and pray your blessing on her and them. We thank you for other good things in the week for all of us, having children around to visit or uh, family and friends that encourage us. Thank you for good things happening in the community to help one another. And we thank you for the ways that you bless us with every breath and every drop of rain and snow and the sunshine, everything we need for life and godliness. So we thank you for the creation, for the cycles and the seasons and all of the, the ways that you provide for our physical needs. And we bring to you uh, the concerns of our hearts because you've invited us to do that, to cast all our cares on you. And so we pray today for those who have recently or will soon go through medical procedures because we know that that brings uncertainty and it can bring anxiety. So we cast that care on you and trust your plans for our lives. We also pray for those who have endured losses, the loss of health, those who are struggling with different sicknesses and, and pains. And we name Evelyn and Tyler and Fatima and others that we're thinking of now. Lord, even if they are not great losses that require us to go seek professional help, we know that you care about all of our little aches and pains and that through it all you strengthen us to continue living in faith and love. We also pray for those who have lost a spouse or who are thinking of other losses of relationship in their lives. Guide us, comfort us. And we pray for those who have experienced a loss of hope. 
the short term or in the long term and eternal. So we pray that there would be a re restoration of faith, hope, and love, trust in your promises and in your character. Help us to keep walking in faith, looking forward to the restoration of all things. And in your word, you invite us to intercede for others as well who are leaders, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and godly lives. So in that context, we, we thank you for those who are our elected and appointed officials. Pray for the municipal, uh, those who serve in municipal levels of government well as our provincial and federal politicians and the bureaucracy, those who faithfully serve cycle after cycle, even when the politicians change, they continue to do the work. We pray that you'd help them do it with faithfulness, give them wisdom beyond their own for the common good and for the flourishing of your gospel. And so we pray for the advance of the good news and the kingdom of God through all the natural means that you give us, as well as those who are especially uh, called to be evangelists or missionaries. So we pray for you to help us be good witnesses in our workplaces and in our neighborhoods. And we also pray specifically for those who are in other countries where there is less opportunity to hear about you. So we pray for EMC missionaries, pray for Kyla and her work with art and different resources that are creative in communicating the gospel, especially to children. We pray for the leaders in our conference office who oversee all of that and in, in work in the EMC fields and in many other places. And we thank you that you are always at work. Thank you for the truth that even when we can't see it, you are working. And so we express our faith in you and trust in you. And we release all of our cares to you, everyone and everything that we feel responsible for, because we know ultimately you hold all of us in your hands. We love you, Jesus. Amen. All right. Those who are ages 3 to 12, now is the time for you to head to the back and have children's church. All right. Good morning. It is wonderful to see you. We are in the season of Epiphany. This is the last Sunday in the season of Epiphany. And... The season of Epiphany, as we've talked about again and again and again and again and again, is that season where we praise God that he came for all people and not just us, not just his chosen. And as to my wonderful joke right there, uh, this passage I have heard wonderfully uh, there's a, we'll get to it in a little bit, it's talking about how his clothes were bleached whiter than could ever possibly be 
bleached before, and I have absolutely heard this passage being, well, that's why cleanliness is next to godliness. That's why you should clean your room, Russell. But no, that is not what this passage is about. But this passage does tell us some very interesting things about who our God is. It does tell us some wonderful things about who Jesus is, and it does challenge us to do some big, big things, all of which I think are the perfect way of ending the season of Epiphany. And so, if you have your Bibles on you, Mark 9, verses 2 to 9. Mark 9, verses 2 to 9. The transfiguration. I've had at the beginning of each of these slideshows a picture to kind of get your mind in it. This is Mount Horeb. That is traditionally understood to be where the transfiguration took place. And you can kind of see it when you look at it. Nice flat top there. It does kind of make you wonder when they say up a very high mountain if maybe that is all relative. But at the same time, uh, I don't know. When I looked at that, I could definitely see this passage in a new way. But what this passage is talking about, as we'll go through in a little bit, is is that it is using just every illusion that it can possibly throw at you from the Old Testament, from Scripture, to tell you something big about who God is, about who Jesus is. It is using so many different illusions to all point to one thing, that none of our passages that we've looked at throughout this uh, series so far has actually said. And what that point is is going to be pretty obvious to all of us, but at the same time, It's good to have it said. And so it begins, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him, and they led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling and white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. He was terrified. I love that. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. So when I say that this passage is packed filled with scriptural illusions, I... I mean that in a very literal sense. There is, what, five verses I just read there, and I think seven different things that are going on. The first, after six days, Jesus took Peter. Here's a good trick. Whenever you're reading your Bibles and you come across that phrase, after six days they did something, usually it's pretty safe to say that you're going to encounter Jesus or you're going to encounter God in a bigger way after that. There's an allusion to creation right there. As the world was created in six days and then Jesus rested, as the world was created in six days and so it was that we learned something new about God in the Sabbath here after six days of ministry, here after six days of going out amongst his creation and showing them who God is Now he takes his disciples up that mountain and we can expect that they are going to encounter God. And when he was there, we are told that 
he is transfigured before them. His clothes become dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could possibly bleach them. Here, it is not just that it is something that he is reflecting, right? Here, it is that it is coming from him, this dazzling light, this light of heaven, this light of the divine, this light of holiness. It is emanating from our Lord Jesus Christ. They went up that mountain expecting to meet God, and here is Jesus radiating the light of heaven itself. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Elijah and Moses, the great prophets of the Old Testament. Moses, who also went up a high mountain in his time and encountered God, Mount Sinai. And when he was up there, then he was given the law that he then brought down to all of his people. This is how you live as followers of God. That was what the law was about. And now this prophet Moses, he is talking to Jesus as if they are old friends, as if he has known him all of their lives. And then Elijah after that, Elijah who showed the entire world who the one true God is, Elijah who embarrass the world as to who the one true God is when he had a face-off with the prophets of Baal. And here, too, Elijah talks to Jesus as if he has known them, known him all of their life. His life. There we go. Pronouns. There. <laughs> These are two prophets. These are two people that its entire job is to know who God is, to know where God is, and they talk to Jesus as if they are old friends, as if they have known him all of their lives. And then Peter kind of ruins that because he doesn't know what to say. I'll build you all houses. We can stay here. We can have fun time forever right on top of this mountain, right in the presence of our God. We can just stay here and we can never go down again. We kind of make fun of him a little bit. I poke fun a little bit, but who amongst us isn't a little bit like that? If you are in the presence of God, when you come before him in worship and you just know that he's there, you feel that he's there, you don't ever want to leave. And so who can blame him for that? But just then a cloud appeared and covered them. Jesus had its center and the voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. The cloud that God speaks from also found Moses on top of his mountain. The cloud that God speaks from also found itself in the tabernacle. As you were going through the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, you will come across that cloud a lot. The cloud that God is in so we do not see him directly. And Christ shining from the Glory of heaven is there in the middle of it. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. We have heard God claim Jesus as his son before. We saw God claim Jesus as his son in the baptism of Jesus. But there in Mark's telling of it, he talks directly and only to Jesus. Here he is telling the world. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. And then the passage goes on. And suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. 
And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Pretty much immediately after this, we go into the story of the temptation. No, not the temptation. Sorry, the story of the passion. And then the passion finds its way all the way to the cross itself. Do not tell them who I am until after I have died, until after I have risen again. Why? Well, we're going to get to that in a little bit. But at the same time, as Jesus leads his disciples down the mountain and off into the rest of the world, off into the rest of the creation that is made, that he is ministering to, We know that what is to come is going to be something where this one that was shining is at the center of it. Mark 9, 2-9. Word of the Lord. All right. Over the last couple weeks, we've been going through the season of epiphany said it many many times the season where we thank the lord that he came for all people and not just us and as we've gone through the season of epiphany we've looked at a number of different passages that all tell us something about who jesus christ is the first passage we looked at was the story of the wise men and in that story we saw that jesus christ Who is he? He is the one true king. He is the one that loves his people. He is the one that leads his people. He is the one that we know will lead things to be the way that they need to be for the kingdom of God to come. That is in the story of the wise men. And in that we learned about God being the true king. And we thanked him that He has come for all people because we know that to follow the one true king, that will be a wonderful thing. In the next passage, Nana and Simeon, we saw about how Jesus Christ is also the Messiah. Like in today's passage, we saw in that passage about how all of God's working through his chosen people, all of God's working through scripture and everything that is said there all points to the Messiah the one who will build the kingdom, the one who will set things to right, the one that will tear down the things that stand against our God, the one that we have long waited for. We saw that in the story of Anna and Simeon, and so we praise God that he's come for all people because we know that what it means is that the world will soon be never, well, never be the same. After that, we went to the baptism of Jesus Christ. And in the baptism of Jesus Christ, we saw how Jesus was claimed by God, like we saw in this passage. We saw also about how the Holy Spirit was on him. We saw something new about our own baptisms in that passage, about how when we are baptized, we are told by John the Baptist that the Spirit of God will be on us the same that it is with Jesus. When we are baptized, when we become Christians, we learned about how God chooses us as his own, as his adopted children, something Jesus spends a lot of time talking about later 
on in the gospel, as well as that is one of Paul's favorite things to bring up all throughout the book of Romans. And so we learned something amazing about what it is that God has come for all people in that passage as well, in that this is the family we are adopted into when we follow our Lord who came for all. And then we go to the story of him preaching. And then we see there that he is the one that preaches with all authority and that this is the wonderful thing, that he has come for all people because we can learn what it is to live rightly. We can live what it is, learn what it is to follow him in a wonderful way because he preaches with authority. He is the one that knows truly what it is that God wants. And more than that, we also learn that by following God, what are all the forces of the world that would be against him, even the demons cower before our Lord. These are all things that we've learned over the last while as we've gone through this season of epiphany. But all of these passages, all of these passages are an interesting one. And that all of these passages, not a single one of them, says something that we think to be singularly important when we talk about who Jesus Christ is. And what that is is this. Whether it is that he is the great king, whether it is that he is the Messiah who has come, whether it is that he is baptized and as such shares in that family of God just as we do, whether it is because in his preaching he is authoritative and the demons cower because he teaches with the will of God. Whether it is all of these things, not a single one of those passages says something that when we think of Jesus, we think of as singularly important. And what I mean by that is not a single one of these passages say a thing about Jesus other than he is a great man. Every last one of these passages, I have alluded in them that he might be more than that, but the passages themselves, they always just hit on Jesus Christ. He is a great man. Jesus Christ, he is a wonderful leader. Jesus Christ, he is unlike any other. He is the chosen of God, but not a single one of them says anything more about him than that he is human. And then we come to our passage today. Mark is somebody that loves to do the slow burn. He likes to build on things. He likes to get somewhere in a way that we can see that everything that we have done up until that point changes the moment we arrive at that revelation. What that revelation is, is that Jesus Christ, who is a man, also shines as if he is God. Jesus Christ, who is a man, also speaks to the prophets who know God better than anyone, as if they are old friends, as if they have known each other all of their lives. Jesus Christ, who is a man, is at the center of that cloud of God. Jesus Christ, who is a man, we see in our passage today is also fully God. 
I told you that the point we were going to be working towards today was going to be a very obvious one. But it's an important one. It's an important one that our Lord, although he is a great man, the greatest, he's also fully God. It's an important one because, well, think about how this passage ends. Think about how this passage ends. When he goes down the mountain, leading his disciples with him. As he goes down the mountain, leading his disciples with him and Together they go out to all of the world to share his ministry, right? Think about what comes next. What comes next is they continue their ministry for a little bit. And then they arrive at the gates of Jerusalem. And once they get to the gates of Jerusalem, he allows himself to be lowered. He allows himself to be degraded. He allows himself to be whipped and beaten in all the terrible things that we ever could know. And then worst of all, he takes on to himself all of the sin of all of creation, of everyone. And he dies for it. And then And then he comes back, showing that even all of that isn't going to be enough to keep the love of God from all his people. When we praise that God has come for all, this is what we praise keeping this in mind. That he has come for all. When we praise that our Lord has come for all people and not just his chosen, this is what we praise him for. That he is here for all people. When we praise the Lord that he has come to set things to right, to be the true king, to be the Messiah that will build that better world, who will stand against all that would tear the world down, to be the one that shows us where it is that we need to go. We praise God that he is here, not just for us, but for everyone, that he has died not just for our sins, but for everyone's. This isn't saying that you're immediately saved if you don't know who God is one way or the other, but it is saying something amazing. We think a lot about the fact that God has come in terms of how he is here with us, right? Here's what I mean by that. Here's a Russell story. Christians don't have a hard time understanding that our Lord who has come is here with us. I remember when I was growing up, then for a season in the front of our church, uh, 
there's never been a period of time in a church anywhere that had people sitting in the front of it by choice. And so what we did is, is that we had a seat right there, and that was Jesus' seat. We decorated it up. I think we, I don't think we used tool, but we used red or purple or I don't know. We're going back 25 years. I don't remember much from last week. But we decorated it up, and we said that, that was Jesus' seat. And that way when we, when we prayed, then we prayed knowing Jesus was there. When we praised God in song, we did so knowing that God was there. When we preached whatever it is that the message is, we did so knowing that God was there with us. As Christians, we, we know that God is with us. We know that God is with us because we see it all throughout Scripture that he is with us. We see it in our baptism. The Holy Spirit is on us. We see it in those passages about how he's come for the whole world, how the whole world is in his hand, how he created all things. We see it in those passages where we are told that all things are held and they are sustained moment for moment because God has come. As Christians, we understand that God is here because we have been taught how to look for him. We know what to see. We know those telltale signs because the Spirit is in us pointing us to where our Lord is. As Christians, we know that God is here. But the thing is, is that God went down that mountain off into the rest of his creation, right? God died for the sins of all of his creation, right? God has come for all people, right? What that means is that in the same way that, I don't know, we are going to have communion in a little bit, in the same way that we share a meal in communion, then some place a world away where people are starving, God is there too. In the same way that we sing praises to who our Lord is on a Sunday morning, some place a world away where people are coughing their last breath in some hospital that doesn't know how to treat them, God is there too. In the same way that we come together and we praise the Lord together and we pray together and we know that he is here because whenever two or more are gathered, the Lord is there. There is somebody sitting alone that doesn't have everyone like we do. And God is with them too. When we say that God has come for the whole world and not just us, that's what we mean. He has come for the whole world. He is here for the whole world. Not just us who know to look for him. 
And that's an obvious point. But it's an obvious point that we often don't like thinking about too much. It's an obvious point we don't like thinking about too much because what are the implications of it, right? There is still suffering in this world. There is still uncertainty in this world. The world is still not the kingdom that is coming like we want it to be. And I don't have answers for why it is that if God is in all places, these terrible things happen. But what I do know is that God is there at least, right? When the people who do not know him are suffering, it has to mean something that God is there with him. I look forward to the day when we can ask him face to face to answer all of these big questions. I look forward to the day when we can sit down and chat and the first thing out of my mouth will be be why, right? I don't know the answer why, but I suspect that when that day comes, my Lord will probably answer or retort something back to me, which is they may have been suffering, but I was there. Where were you? It is the season of Epiphany for a couple more days. It is the season where we praise God that he has come for all people and not just us. And in this season, we know beyond a shadow of our doubt that God is out there. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is with all people whether they know to look for him or not. And because it is the season of Epiphany, we are left with this one question. If God is there, where are we? After all, the end of our passage today he asked the disciples to follow him down that mountain and out into the rest of the world. And so the challenge that leaves us with is a pretty simple one. Who in your life do you know needs our God? Who are the people that are in your life, that are suffering now, that feel like they have no one. God is there. Are you? Who are the people in your life that don't know where their next meal is going to come from? God is there. 
are you? Who are the people that are in your life that truly do not know what tomorrow will bring because tomorrow can be a big existential terror. God is there. Are we? In the season of Epiphany, we praise our God that he has come for all people. And our Lord is there with all people. He has gone down the mountain out into the rest of creation. And all too often, us that know to look for him, we want to stay right there up on top of that mountain. Because up there on top of the mountain is a wonderful place to be. But Jesus leads his disciples down. He pushes them out to the rest of creation and out into the world. God is there. Who needs us to be there too? Now, it is time for us to do something that I think fits very well to the end of the season of Epiphany. And that is, is that we are going to be joining this morning in communion. I say that it fits very well in the season of Epiphany because in communion we are joining together with all other believers. All of the believers that are here this morning, all of the believers that are across the world, all of the believers that are yet to come, all of the ones that have already preceded us, going straight back to God himself, to Jesus Christ himself. These are the disciples of our Lord. These are the disciples that encountered our God on top of that mountain. And as we join together in the wonder of who our God is, we can take that for all of the empowerment we need it to be as we go forward from here to show that our God is here to the world. In the book of 1 Corinthians, we read, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread then and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. McGregor EMC, we believe that communion is open to all believers. Well, if you have little ones on you, parents, I'll leave it up to you if you think that they are in the place to grasp what is going on. I'd like to ask the, the deacons to come forward as well as those playing. And while the elements are being handed out, I'd ask that you reflect. I ask that you Look for who our God is and what it is that we are doing. 
and look at the grand plan that he has. And that you take that with you as we go forward from here today. Please bow with me in prayer. Our God, we thank you. Our God, we pray that just how huge this is is not something that passes us over. Our God, we pray that in this we will see you like never before. Our God, in communion, we pray that we will know what we need from you to go forward as well. Amen.
And together, my brothers and sisters, we eat. And together we drink. And I'd ask that together, join me in reciting the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Would you stand for our closing song, please? Blessed be.